This is Alex Medford from Denver, Colorado, coming to you from sunny Maui, Hawaii, and you're listening to the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast, and you know what that means. No, it's not that you steal my sunshine, but speaking of sunshine, I have with me the publisher of ProHockeyNews.com, Lou Lafredo. Lou, how are you doing? It's a good thing the listeners are not viewing the the videotape right now. I'm doing well. You can put that finger down. (laughs) I'm doing well, Richard. I I started off with with a strong applause because I knew how the show was going to turn out. Listeners at home, when we try and sync up our audio, we do a 3-2-1 clap. I did an extra 3-2-1 before I started. Lou gave me an extra clap. I appreciate it, Lou. Yeah. I, I feel, it makes me feel wanted. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listeners, if I only gave you Lou Lafredo, I'm sure that would be plenty for you. But you know what? I, I, I like to give a little extra, which is why I scoured the globe and went international and found... PHN con, uh, contributor Jacob Doherty up in Canada. Jacob, how are you Hello. doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How, how are things uh, north of the border? Um, we have hockey, so things are good. <laughs> have you have you finally uh, licked your wounds from the uh, World Juniors? What what happened there? We don't talk about that. That's that's old news. We have we have NHL hockey, and I have new opportunities to be hurt and damaged. Uh, I, I get it. You, you shut out those memories, like the U.S. shut out Canada. I get it. All right. Uh, you know, th- th- this is the the part of the episode that, that I used to throw in a rant uh, about just random things going on in my life. Um, unfortunately, this week, I, I don't have a whole lot to rant on. Things are just blending together these days. I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of losing track of when one day ends and the next one begins. But you know what? We have hockey, so we're going to dive into that. What we, One thing we haven't talked about a whole lot on the podcast and something that has gotten going here in the last couple of weeks, we have minor league hockey, guys. The ECHL has started playing they're about uh, uh, i guess an average of like a 10 or 11 games in some played few uh, some played more some have played significantly less um l- let's go over the standings real quick if you've been living under a rock and not checking your sports scores um right now we, we don't have any divisions just because of the whole pandemic and teams not being able to compete uh but we do have the western and eastern conferences so uh, let's go over those real quick. In the Western Conference, we have the Allen Americans, who I always want to call the Allen All-Americans, but I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, the Allen Americans are in the lead uh, after 11 games played at 8-3, giving them a total of 16 points. In second place, we have the Wichita Thunder at 13 points. The Utah Grizzlies coming in in the third spot, also with 13 points, 11 games played. And uh, rounding out the top four in the Western Conference, the Tulsa Oilers, also at 13 points, having played 13 games. Going over to the Eastern Conference, the top four, uh, Indy Fuel, 18 points after 10 games played. The South Carolina Stingrays uh, at 17 points after 11 games played. Uh, The Florida Everblades, I'm actually a little shocked that they're not higher up in the Eastern Conference than this. Uh, They have... Uh, th- this can't be right. 20 points after 14 games in third spot? Um. <laughs> <laughs> There's something a little off about the ECHL website, so yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's put them up at the number one spot there. And uh, rounding out the top four, the Greensville Swamp Rabbits. This is what I get for not doing research before I start listing off stats um the Greensville Swamp Rabbits at 15 points in the number four spot in the Eastern Conference um I've said it before and I'll say it again um ECHL I do not like your website um (laughs) (laughs) uh, as we know there there are 
there are quite a few clubs who have not been able to uh, participate this season in a, a lot of the minor leagues. Uh, these are just the ones who have been able to compete. Um, Lou, you've been doing quite a few of these game recaps. What has stood out the most in this early part of the season in the ECHL to you? Uh, Indy Fuel, for one. Um, they've gotten off to a pretty good start, whether they're in first or second place in that Eastern Conference, we're not <laughs> sure. But, um, um, you know, they, they're holding their own. Um, you know, Utah Grizzlies are making a nice little push here uh, in out in the Western Conference. So those are probably the two... Uh, positive surprises. Um, the fact that the Rapid City Rush are having such a hard time getting out of the gate here um, this season. They're in sixth place in the West. Um, and the only reason <laughs> the only reason they're not last is because the Comets haven't quite played a game yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, it's it, with 14 teams uh the Comets are going to come in, I think, uh, middle of next month. Um, abbreviated uh, season, obviously, for them. Um, it's uh, it's a mess. You know, we got 15 teams that are not playing. Yeah. No, it, it's um, it is going to be an interesting season, and one that you know is may not be as lucrative to some clubs as others um but i gotta i gotta hand it to the leagues who are able to at least put some games on the ice they're finding a way to do it safely and you know they're 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 at least getting these players out and you know helping them maintain the skills that they've they've practiced for years um i mean Politically, whether I agree with it or not, I'm, I'm not going to go there. But I, I'm glad that that the the ECHL, the NHL, and then pretty soon uh, coming up, the uh, AHL are going to be able to uh, put some games together. Um, you know, at least keeping the, the players sharp. Sure. Um, th- this weekend, a number of uh, matches have been canceled already, or postponed, I should say, uh, in the ECHL. So. Um, out of abundance of caution. Yeah. So, it, I mean, again, glad that the, the league is at least keeping an eye out on that and being a little proactive oh, absolutely. Um, to, to help out there. Um, as I had mentioned, the AHL hasn't quite started yet. They're starting here in a couple of weeks. Um, February 5th, I think, is when they're, mm-hmm. the first games are, are slated to start. Um, Lou, what are some of the, the key teams that, that might be missing come uh, come the start of the AHL season? Um, you know, I, I think any team, I, I'm going to be really vague about the answer and, and say that it's more a case of any team that's missing is, is key. Um, you've got... Um, you have uh, Syracuse. Um, geez, there are three or four teams that are now uh, AHL teams that are being um, rostered by multiple NHL clubs. And that's going to make for some difficult and interesting contests over the course of the year. Um, um, the, the fact that uh, that Eastern Conference, uh, well, the Atlantic uh, Division, excuse me, Atlantic Division, there are only three teams playing in that division. There are only four teams playing in the um, in the, the Canadian division. Um, this is this is going to be an interest. I think that the AHL has a much more difficult scheduling problem than the NHL. Yeah. Because I mean, look at it. I mean, the Canadian division. Uh, it's uh, Belleville, Manitoba, Toronto, and Laval. Um, they're gonna they're gonna play well. Sixteen. It's gonna be sixteen home games, sixteen away games, thirty-two games between the four teams. I mean, it's it's gonna be civil war by the time by the time April gets here. Well, I mean, uh, what what about the Atlantic Division? They've only got three, three. teams. Well, but at yeah. least they can get around. The Canadian teams can't can only play Canadian teams. 
That's true. You know, that's the thing. You know, Hartford, <laughs> the Hartford Wolfpack can at least go off and play, you know, the Rochester Americans. <laughs> um, you know, they're tr- so the Atlantic's travel. Uh, you asked a great question, you know, which ones are going to be our key. I think any team that's gone is key. Um, so you know we have to we have to bear with it and and accept what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, as we're waiting for action to start with the AHL, let, let's go to the the parent league. Let's go to the NHL. Uh, we're, we've had a few games, I, I think, if, if I remember correctly. I remember seeing a few on the TV. <laughs> um, but we've also had a, a few games already be postponed. Uh, we talked about it a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Dallas Stars couldn't even open their season because their games had been postponed against the Panthers. And now we have the Carolina Hurricanes, who can't even play their next few games until after Saturday, January 23rd. Um, so we, we've seen, um, we've seen some issues with, with, uh, postponing games in the, in the central division. Um, and that seems to be the only division right now. I'm not saying that there's not other issues because we'll get to that here in just a second. Um, but it seems like that central division, uh, is, is kind of the hotbed. Um, Jacob. Yes. What the, give us the situation uh, up north with the with the North Division? That's the Scotiabank North Division. If I'm yeah, not Scotiabank. Co- okay, Scotiabank. I don't know why I always try and uh, cut that down. Uh, the Scotiabank uh, North Division. Um, like, how are they? Like, what's the situation up there, and, and how are they dealing with that? It's a dogfight for. Um for, for every team. Like, every game is very close sometimes. Um, yeah, it's just... It, it, at the start of the season, we kind of knew it was going to be a very close division, but to this extent, it's... Jeez. No, I don't think anyone predicted Montreal um, being, up, being first in the division. Um and Edmonton and Vancouver, you know, sitting near the bottom. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I might have picked Edmonton towards the... Oh, no, I picked them as the division leader. Um, I, I, don't, I can never tell with that team. Uh, they always look great on paper, and then you never know what you're actually going to get on ice. When it comes to Edmonton, I think what uh, I believe what, what we all overlooked um, was Os- Oscar Clefbaum is out for the entire season. He was by far the best Oilers defenseman that they have, and his pres- his lack of presence is really showing, and it's it's unfortunate because Edmonton would be doing so much better. They probably would have beaten, they probably would have won more than a few games if they had him in the lineup because right now they're playing two offensive defensemen on their first line. With Ethan Bear and Darnell Nurse, hmm. so that's really becoming a problem. And Ethan Bear has also started to show a significant amount of regression from his um, promising last season. So hopefully he can get it together. Um, Miko Koskinen has been getting better with every game, and yeah. Now let let's talk about a team I know is uh, near and dear to your heart: the division-leading Montreal Canadiens. Um, five games in, three zero oh, and two, at sitting at eight points. Um, wh- like, what have you noticed from them to start this season uh, that has put them in that top spot? You know that Nick Suzuki guy. Wow, that he's been fantastic. Same with Carey Price. Those two have completely changed this organization's. Um, Appearance. Um, Montreal is a much faster team. They're a much more talented team, but they also are a much bigger team as well. Um, they can keep up with um, pretty much anyone in terms of physicality, but they can also be very fast at the same time. And it's 
it's just really great to see because they have a lot of depth uh, as Montreal always has, always has. But now it's just they have the talent, uh, the scoring talent to, you know, back it up, which is, which is weird to say. I'm not used to, I'm not used to saying that. I'm not used to ha- Montreal five games into the season having the pretty much the best because the only team that is higher than them for goals for is Florida, who's only played two games. Yeah, but averaging um, 4.8 goals per game is crazy to me. They have not scored less than three goals in a game this season, and that that was a, a win over the, the Oilers. I, I think their, their Achilles heel so far this season has been they can't win once they go to overtime. That's a pretty good problem to have. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you saw the Boston Bruins last year when they went to win the President's Trophy. Uh, they had, I believe they lost like, what, 12 overtime games in a row or something insane like that. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, if you're winning in regulation, it doesn't matter. And Obviously, uh, Montreal, the wins that they've had in regulation have not been terribly close, except for um, the uh, Martin Luther King Day game against the Edmonton Oilers was a 3-1 final. Um, otherwise, uh, I mean, they, they blew out Vancouver on the 21st, uh, as we're recording this on the 22nd, so yesterday, uh, 7-3. Um, uh, their uh, their win on the 16th against the Oilers five to one. It's um, that that's kind of scary. Yeah, and it it, it very much depends um, how everyone continues to play. Like obviously we're only a few games into the season, so everything has to be taken with a grain of salt to some extent. But these games do matter um, against division rivals and getting. Well, uh, even those, with with a with a condensed schedule, the, these games matter even more. Every yeah. win is is matters that much more because we're playing almost half a season. Yeah, but we'll see how the if keep in mind if like a player like Shea Weber or Carey Price uh, goes down for a prolonged period of time, mm-hmm. I think Montreal just falls out uh, falls completely out of the race. Speaking of Canadian teams who might be hurting due to player loss, let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. They just lost Joe Thornton for uh, about a month due to cracked ribs, and it looks like um, Austin Matthews is going to be out uh, for uh, maybe a week or so, maybe two weeks with an upper body injury. Hmm. Uh, I, I know that team is really deep. They, they have a, a lot of players that can fill those gaps. But those are two pretty, you can argue two pretty big players to go down. Um, how, how do you think they're going to be able to fare until they at least get Austin Matthews back? Uh, I don't think they're going to fare too well without Austin Matthews. Joe Thornton, you, you kind of don't really need. Um, he's more of a luxury addition, but losing Austin Matthews, I they if they better hope they win at least one game without him because he carries that line and it's just going to be complete uh, void until he comes back because John Tavares is just he's a fantastic player but you can't slot him up on that number one line all right um let's move over to the Honda West division I, I want to get Lou's input here because I, I know he, he he follows this division uh, pretty well. Lou, what have you noticed at the early part of this season uh, that may stand out to you as far as this this division competing against each other? Uh, the Los Angeles Kings and Colorado Avalanche are tied with four points apiece. <laughs> <laughs> you all laughed at me. <laughs> um. That tie is going to be broken tonight, <laughs> Yes, Friday yes. the 22nd. Yes, it will. Um, but it's, I, I, I was still surprised, you know. Um, the Kings lost two games in overtime or shootout to uh, the Wild uh, to open the season. And, you know, they got that win last night, 4-1. to one. Um, 
um, over the Avs, which really, really did surprise me. Um, the other big sur- well, maybe it's not a surprise. Um, it's certainly not a surprise to me because I picked the Minnesota Wild to compete in this in this division. So, um, you know, they've got the six points. But uh, look, Vegas is is undefeated, uh, eight points through uh, through four games. Um, I, um, having just gone through the that Canadian division, and as uh, Jacob correctly pointed out, it's it's going to be a dogfight to the end. Uh, the one disappointing team out of that Canadian group is the uh, is Vancouver for me. I I had them higher, um, and disappointment for me is that uh, Colorado is not higher up in the in the in this Western Division. Again, as 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 we're talking about it, it's four games, uh, four games to not a season make, but uh, the Avs have already lost four points and. Uh, one of them was an ugly, an ugly one, but and <clears throat> but then it was an eight one eight nothing win that uh, the Avs had over St. Louis. Um, aside from that game, um, I I don't know. It's kind of a toss up about how they're playing. Yeah, it, it, they're they're kind of they're playing the ultimate five hundred. They, they might they might lose a by a substantial score, but they're going to come back and double you up the next night. Right. Um, I, I've been a little confused by that too, because, you know, uh, they've added a lot of depth in the off season to this team that, you know, was kind of a one trick pony. Um, I'm, I'm still not sold on Philip Grubauer. I've, I've mentioned it many times on this podcast and I'm, I'm still not sold on his ability to be the starter for this club. I, I think that is Colorado's weak point. Um, as far as how they're doing on the blue line, uh, you could probably point some fingers there. Uh, I think the one thing you can say about this club is, you know, they're, you know, they're not too shy offensively with, you know, the four, one loss last night, they've been able to put the puck in the back of the net. So I'm not too worried about that. I think their biggest problem is going to be, uh, as it has been for the last couple of years is going to be goaltending. You know, so so Richard, you bring that up in Jacob too, but that that the Avs are constantly pushing forward. Do you think they pay enough attention to the D, given that it's it's Grubauer in the in the net? I think they've slowly been building up that blue line um, ever since uh, they you know got rid of um, what's his name. <laughs> no. They, they, uh, their their goaltender uh, Varlamov. Yeah. yeah. See, he's been gone for three seasons, and I can't even remember his name. Um, yeah. Since they got rid of Varlamov, they've been slowly building up that blue line, and every season they seem to make you know just a little bit of improvement, but it doesn't seem to be quite enough. I, I think they they really need to go out and and pay the price and get a solid goaltender to put in as your starter. Yeah. I think that is the missing piece of the puzzle for this team. Yeah, because I don't think they pay enough attention on the back check, and I I just don't think that um, the forwards put any kind of pressure off the point uh, to protect Grubauer, because if he is the weak point, then why not hang back a little bit before the breakout? Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that that's also why they're able to put the puck in the back of the net so often is that you know they are very aggressive uh on the offensive side but yeah they do they tend to leave the defensive end of the the ice you know a little short-handed which yeah yeah yeah, we're seeing what happens what happens four to one to the to the kings (laughs) (laughs) you guys all laughed at me when i thought the kings were not going to be that bad (laughs) oh there's still plenty of season left don't worry things are going to even out (laughs) They're, they're, we're going to figure things out. The Kings are going to figure out where they belong, and they'll sink back down to the bottom. Right. <laughs> Maybe we'll not below the Ducks, but they'll 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 hover around that that bottom spot. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and really, all right. What you're seeing, oh. this list could very well be the list at the end of the season. 
Is that is true? Um, I mean, I, I feel like at this point, nothing can surprise me this year. And um, so, if this is kind of the final standings of the regular season, yeah, um, yeah I I won't be one bit uh, surprised. Right. Uh, I, I might be surprised that the, the Kings are in fifth place, but I won't be surprised they'll miss the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah, let, let's um, let's move over to the... Uh, oh, we got two divisions left. Do we want to do the Mass Mutual East or do we want to do the Discover Central? I, I feel I feel like we need to go to the Discover Central because I just uh, just kind of ragged on them at the beginning of the, uh, the podcast here. Um, Jacob. Yes. Watching this division... Uh, Give me some of your takeaways watching these teams compete against each other. Detroit has two wins. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) One was quality, too. One was (laughs) against the Carolina Hurricanes, yes. Um, But in all seriousness, I... There's a three-way, or not a three-way, there's a five-way tie for a second (laughs) in this division. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) And I expect that to maybe shrink down to a four-way tie for a very long time. Columbus uh, is in a lot of turmoil uh, right now, which we will, I believe, discuss later. Yes. Um, with a star player who will not be named yet, um, wanting out. And that's very much impacted them. Um, Carolina, they're, they're, they've been okay. Like They've only played three games. Same with most of the teams in this division. Dallas has yet to play as well um, because of half their team being out with COVID. Uh, so we'll see. Um, there's, there's not many conclusions other than Tampa Bay is still Tampa Bay. Um, Florida, surprisingly enough, has won two games. I forgot against who already. Who did they play? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, they had their first two games against the Stars were canceled or were postponed. Chicago. They beat yes. the, they beat, right. they played Chicago. Never mind. Um, <laughs> we don't we can't say anything about Florida because they played possibly one of the most dead teams in the league. Right now. They really they really are Chicago, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's not due to like their fault. It's just horrid luck and age. I was going to say they, they they put all their bag their eggs in a basket a few years ago and. Um, really have not been able to, to keep up with the, the talent pool as their talent got older. So, well, and I, I don't know. I, I'd place some blame on them. Well, and then their second-year player, uh, um, talk about missing names, uh, broke his wrist in the... Kirby <clears throat> Doc. Yeah, in the, uh, in the juniors. That's, that's going to be a huge, a, a huge piece to lose. Um, but that 0-3 and one record so far through four games is just—they um, haven't—they have not competed. No. Uh, their goal differential minus eleven uh, through four games. Uh, I would I would agree. The uh, but it, there's not going to be much competition there. Mm. Um. So what other surprises have you got there, Jacob? Uh, in the central. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not really much. Everything's kind of just playing out how I kind of expected. It's reasonably close, and I expect it to stay that way. To stay that way. Uh, things will change dramatically once Dallas enters the fray. Yeah, and um, Carolina's going to sink here for a couple of weeks. So uh, that there's going to be a lot of fluctuation here in this division uh, in the next, you know, week or so of competition. Um, I, I I think I have to agree. Uh, Detroit being as high up as, as they are, and high up, I mean, in the fifth place, um, is a little surprising. Um, but they've been able to compete. They've been able to put bodies on the ice, and, you know, every now and then you, you might win a game. Don't tell that to Chicago because they, you know, obviously don't know that. Um, I think Columbus... Uh, you know, going into the season, kind of being blind to the turmoil that was going on in their locker room, um, I feel like they should be at least in the top four. But um, yeah, they just um, well, they're tied for second. 
all of our tie for second. <laughs> right, but you know, games played and tiebreakers puts them in the sixth spot. Um, minor details. Minor yeah. details, right? Tiebreakers. Who needs them? Right. Uh, just uh, we we've seen some lackluster play from from that team that you know really should see a little bit more uh, pep in their step. But we'll we'll come back to that. Um, let's. Let's finish off these divisions and we'll come back to the issue that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Mass Mutual East Division. You know, having said all the names of the divisions, now I feel like I should just call them by their geographical names and not put in free plugs. But you know what? That's why these people pay the money. Uh, The the East Division. (laughs) (laughs) We don't see any of it. Um, The East Division. uh, We have... We have a, a little bit of a tight division here if you don't it, include the Rangers and the Sabres. Um, I'm going to start with you, Lou, since I know you're you're close to those two teams at the bottom, uh, or at least one of them. Uh, what, <laughs> what surprises have you seen in the East Division uh, in this early part of the season? You know, I don't know that there are surprises. Um, Philadelphia is certainly the... the um, fashionable pick uh, to win the division. Um, they have been playing well, but they did beat you know Pittsburgh right out of the gate. They did take one from Boston. Um, so th- they deserve that, those seven points. The Islanders um, had one hiccup. They lost 5 nothing to the Rangers uh, in the second game of the season. Um, uh, I'll... You know, what I'll say is I think Pittsburgh is slow. Everything that people were saying coming into the season I think is true. I, um, uh, uh, the Penguins are in need, I think, of, a, of an upgrade across the, across the roster. Um, uh, the Rangers disappointed me, the, you know, coming out of the gate losing um, 4 nothing uh, to the Islanders. Um, their second loss of the season was was really not an issue of of effort. That they, they took fifty shots on goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, know you, um, you I have always said, you know, you, stop aiming for the crest. But even through 50, uh, 50 shots on goal, some of them were were real quality, and uh, they got stymied. Um, um, and it, it is what ha- what happens sometimes. Um, they haven't been playing badly. The I guess the team that surprises me but doesn't surprise me are the Sabers, um, uh, sitting in last place with uh, with a record of one and three. They just have not played well. This is as I said. It's. Um, <laughs> Adam asked me uh, at the at the uh, at the end of last the the, the first uh, episode of the season uh, what my what my prediction was and I said surgeons to excise a couple of barnacles off of the <laughs> off of the off of the sabers um, keisters but I didn't think it would be this quick Eichel I don't believe has scored uh, I think he has a couple of assists. Taylor Hall has a goal, and you know the the the, the locker room post game quotes, you know, made it sound like Taylor Hall was uh, was Connor McDavid, and and I just I was reading those quotes and thinking to myself, I'm sorry, when are we going to stop patting these guys on the back because they score a goal? Um, I don't think either one of them are leaders, and I'm sorry to be on a rant here, but you asked. I thought Buffalo would have challenged a, a whole lot um, more strongly um, coming out of the gate, but uh, lackluster play, I think, through the first four games. That's the surprise. There's no urgency. Now, it, There's no urgency. Now, in a normal, regular uh, season, isn't this about the time of year that Buffalo starts their decline after a hot start? Well, you know, it's the... 
<laughs> it's the old, <laughs> it's the old joke of, and you know, it's the first puck drop of the season, and the Sabers are eliminated from postseason games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember the last couple of seasons they actually had a decent start. They would be, you know, somewhere competing in the middle of the division, and then December, come the end of yeah. of of, or at least the end of January, they'd start this huge <laughs> decline. Um, I think they're just, you know, they're following their their script that they need to start the declining. Right. Some t- right, it's yeah. it's the calendar season, not <laughs> in, in January. There there are two things yeah. that are going to happen in Buffalo: lake effect snow, and the Sabers are going to start declining. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. For for me, I I'm a little surprised at the New Jersey Devils. Um. I just, given their season last year, I didn't have a whole lot of high hope for them. The fact that they're four games in, five points, and sitting essentially in the, the number four spot um, really kind of makes me scratch my head. I, I don't know exactly what they did in the offseason besides, you know, midway through last season, they got rid of Taylor Hall. Um, but I don't know exactly what they've done to improve themselves. Uh, Lindy, Ooh, Ruff. Lindy Ruff is head coach, I think is, okay. for, for me, but I think Jacob has probably got a different opinion on that. Mackenzie Blackwood. Okay. And that's it, because he's carried the the corpse of the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> well, exactly. He made 47 saves in that game against yeah. the Rangers. Uh, and, and, and they he, weren't all at the crest. Yeah, and against the Boston Bruins, he pretty much was the only reason why they got to uh, overtime the first game and won the second game against Boston to open the season. Right. Uh, he's been outstanding. And that's, that's, the, that's it. Like, Jack Hughes has also performed at the first, uh, first overall pick level now. He has two goals and four assists um, yeah. in four games. Ty Smith has also... Right, Tyler Smith and Miles Wood is all have also been playing fairly well, and you know what? It's not bad. PK Subban, unfortunately, he hasn't really been doing much, and it's going to be probably a lot more of the same uh, that we saw last season with PK Subban because I I think with that kind of player, he's my favorite player too, and it sucks to say this. But if if you're uh, the kind of player who is who relies on their talent level so much, um, to lose that talent level, um, it's that's that's all you have, right? It's it's going to be a rough few years, I feel, for PK. Yeah. And with his cap hit, that's pretty much impossible to buy out. It is. Do you see him or, tra- or move? Yeah. Well, that's that's where I was going then, Jacob. I mean, do you see him being moved with a, with a nine million dollar cap hit? Well, in a flat cap, absolutely not. <laughs> like you can't. There's no way you can move that kind of contract because, at the bare minimum, or at the sorry, at the maximum, um, you can retain half. Of a salary, right, and that's still four point five million, which is a pretty high price for two seasons. Sure. However, maybe next season. But at that rate, uh, with how New Jersey's going, I don't know if they're going to be competing at a high level. And if they were to buy, they would have to sell P.K. Subban's contract. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's gonna, it would be easy, but um, it, don't you get the feeling he's unhappy in New Jersey? I haven't been paying too much attention, but, I mean, looking at the score, or to his, like, personal um, Instagram or Snapchat or whatever he uses uh, to be public... I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and looking at their cap friendly, the New Jersey Devils also have to resign literally everyone. Everyone's a UFA or RFA. Yeah. Outside, like their entire team, pretty much. 
Yeah. So. So Jettis, that's why I was that's why I was asking about the move because at, at the very least, you know, you might be able to save half of that um, annual salary uh, moving forward. At least bring somebody else in who's who's a little bit more engaged. Yeah, and it's probably not due to any not due to um, his attitude on the ice or anything. I think it's just. It's Lost just I'm not playing well. It's hard to remain positive when you're not yeah. playing even remotely uh, close to where you think you should be able to play. At. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Rich? Richard? Well, I I think if the Devils remain anywhere close to competing for the top four spots this year, and PK still not producing what they've paid for, I think that's going to increase their chance of trying to free up at least half of his salary. So um, I think probably come March, if we revisit the issue and that's the situation, we could probably start hearing some rumors of, uh, you know, a PK Subban trade. Um, At this point, I don't know who would want to throw down 4.5 million a year for him. Um, or who, uh, and there's a few teams who could, but I, I don't know if they, they want to, knowing that, you know, um, that revenue is, is kind of stalled right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that would be my, my situation to, to see any sort of potential trade rumors surrounding PK Subban. Okay. So let, let's, let's talk about, um, some other player issues. One that that's been a little bit more, um, I don't know, in the forefront of the uh, NHL news. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois was benched. Uh, in one of the top scorers for the Columbus Blue Jackets, albeit not this season, um, due to his poor performance to start the season. Um, we talked about this last week on the uh, on the first line edition, and now I want to kind of get your guys's um, insight on this, especially now that he ha- that he had been benched, and now that Tortorella has come out and um, ma- at least made an official statement on that. Um, Jacob, what do you think of the benching, and um, how long do you think that's going to go? I think um, the Columbus Blue Jackets. If they were smart, they would do everything in their power to get a first rounder because every minute that he sits on that bench, his value plummets. Because you have a situation where uh, you're a 22 year old guy, you're not playing well this season, you have one goal this season in five games with a minus two plus minus. Uh, you've been playing visibly poor. Uh, and you are demanding a trade out after all of that or before all that. So it's just like, it's very difficult to give this guy, or it's very difficult to be able to move him because you know, he's valid. His value is high, but all the extra stuff uh, that has happened recently with his recent play, the benching, it's just, and, and also with Tortorella's statements that somewhat kind of implies that he's not working that hard because he wants a, he wants out. And if you're another team, you're, you're going, hmm, what, if, what happens if he does that uh, with us too? Not this season, most likely, but say two, three seasons down the road. Um, what happens? Yeah, um, I... I really, I really think that the, I mean, not so much the benching, but just the outwardness of Tortorella and his, uh, I mean, we've come to know his very blunt sense of, um, of speaking, but, uh, I think anything more than, or any, let me backtrack here for a second. Um, I, I think that Tortorella's, um, language has hurt there any sort of trade 
uh, value for Dubois more than than Dubois' play itself or even the benching. Um, I, 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 I don't really want to put the blame on Tortorella because, I mean, Dubois' play does have a part of this, but having to be that outspoken, um, that, that not only hurts the culture in your, in your locker room, but that, that's going to hurt the trade value of anything potentially you'd get in return for Dubois. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy there. Actually, what if I play devil's advocate on that one? Go ahead. What if that, uh, if those statements from John Tortorella creates a better accountability within the existing locker room for his players? Lou shaking his head. Well, so let me, <clears throat> my response to that is what I'm hearing about Tortorella's time um, um, in New York was that he was, in fact, very responsive to um, younger players. And according to at least one friend of the show, has said that uh, Tortorella rescued Michael Delzato's career early on. Um, I, I sort of take exception to that. <laughs> not quite sure that's, that's a rescue. Um, he managed to uh, maintain an NHL career so far. Um, but, I, but so the reason I shook my head, uh, Jacob, is that from the outside, I think, you know, you, you would think, well, you know, maybe what he's trying to do is, is re-engage the locker room, um, quell any problems that there might be. Um, um, but when you look at a history, uh, as, a, as a colleague here has said, patterns of behavior don't lie. And, and Tortorella has done this time and time again, where he loses uh, his locker room at some point. And I think that um, just as, you know, we were talking earlier about um, Buffalo uh, following a, 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 um, a calendar season, uh, Tortorella is in the same thing. He's in a calendar season, and I think he is he may have already lost this locker room. And Dubois signed a two-year uh, a two-year extension, or was it a brand new no, a two-year extension? And and this is what Columbus gets for a two-year extension. Um, a, a, a troubled player. Uh, it, it, there's no question about his talent, but we have a troubled player. Three game, not even three games uh, in, um, and and Tortorella is is essentially calling him out. Now we know Tortorella has to have somebody in the doghouse, but this is this is beyond the pale. Yeah, that's fair. I no, that I, is also I, I'm a not suggesting. Yeah, I'm not suggesting. I think um, I, I we just don't know which one it is. I, I'd like to think that I'm wrong. To be to be perfectly frank with you, I'd like I want to know that I'm wrong on this, and that Tortorella is trying to gin up, um, uh, in, in reengage by gin up the the roster so it's reengaged. I I want I want you to be right in this case. Yeah, that's fair, but yeah, that is a very interesting, um, I guess, point to make because I didn't even consider that he might have already lost the locker room. That just didn't really occur to me. Um, he's not in Tampa because he lost the locker room. He's not. In, he's not with the Rangers because he lost the locker room. Um, players respond to that that tough guy image for a certain period of time. As long as the coach has their back, uh, um, Dubois does not have his coach's back. Right, uh, the, Dubois's coach does not have his six right now. And and to me, that's the dead giveaway. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, and look, Dubois may be the Columbus Blue Jackets version of Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel. I, we don't know, or Jack Hughes in in New Jersey. That's fair. Uh, yeah, we we don't know 
what the right. uh, you know, what the atmosphere is like in the locker room right now. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it could easily be um, reversed like that. Right, and, and <clears throat> Richard is. Um, I, I know I follow the East more, but maybe uh, you and Jacob have had. Have you? Have any of us heard anything about Duval before this? No. No. Uh, not not since the start of the season. No. no. Well, like I, I know he was in the off season. He was. There were rumors that he was. Uh, he did request a trade. Mm-hmm. But nothing until nothing like this serious uh, or this in- immediate until like the season and no. uh, training camp started. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) It it is, it's, it's just kind of interesting to hear, you know, I I like the fact that, that Jacob brought up the, you know, the devil's advocate part, because we, I I know I get caught up thinking about, Oh, you know, Tortorella is just going off like he has in the past. And I really don't know anything about Dubois. So, um, I, I like that, that Jacob brought that up because that, that just kind of centered me and was like, okay, well, you know, yeah, maybe this is, um, maybe this is something that, that Dubois needs to respond to. Um, maybe this will in fact help his, his gameplay as we go on. Um, probably not. (laughs) I don't think it was for Dubois. I think it was for the rest of the team. Yes. Either way, uh, whatever gets a response, you know, but I, I, I don't think he's going to get the response he's, he's looking for. Um, let, let's look at, at other troubled um, teams right now. I, I threw this in here because I, I wanted to, to get a little react. I, I talked to Jacob a little bit about it before we started recording. I want to get Lou's reaction to this. Um, this week, the NHL had fined the Washington Capitals $10,000 for breaking COVID protocol. Three of their players had met without face coverings, uh, breaking the, the league's uh, rules on that. Um, and I, I mean, I'm perfectly okay with that. There are a reason why these rules are in place. But Lou, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, about the fine, do you think it was too much? Do you think it wasn't enough? Um, okay, here, um, <clears throat> here's how I'm gonna. Uh, here's the, the 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 preamble. I want you to, you two to bet on what my response is gonna be. <laughs> Richard, what do you think? Uh, sour grapes, sour grapes. Okay, I got that uh, one. Jacob, uh, I think it's gonna be. The you're gonna go off on OV and Co. Uh, I okay, so it's probably closer to uh, Jacob. I don't care who the players are; uh, they had no business doing that, and I don't think the fines were stiff enough. Uh, you have your okay. star player. You have the face of the league, um, who is chasing down Gretzky, and has one goal this season and is out. There were four or five of them, I think. There were four, four of them. them. Yeah, four o- of them. Ovechkin and three others. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing right there. He's the face of the NHL because the whole story is Ovechkin and three teammates. Well, the, the four, it, no, no, it's, it's okay. The four of them had no business doing that. They know the rules. They know the, the impact that any one of them coming, uh, and, uh, coming up in, a, in an antigen or antibody test that shows positive, the, the entire capital squad is, is, is sidelined. Um, you've got Carolina and, and Dallas has yet to play a game. Uh, and again, I, so I'm not suggesting either of any of those two teams were flaunting uh, or uh, flouting uh, rules, but... Um, I, I just don't think the fine uh, and repercussions are, were, were stiff enough given what can happen, what the unintended consequences of that, of that get-together was. Now, an, another name in here isn't a, uh, you know, a, 
as you mentioned, yes, Ovechkin is the face of the NHL, but there's a second name in here who's not kind of a throwaway player. That's Evgeny Kuznetsov. So, I mean, <laughs> it. Both of those players should should know we need to stick to the league's policy. Well, pretty much what happened is they got together in a hotel room outside of the locker room areas during a road trip. And and that's what did it. I thought it was a hotel uh, room. Yeah, the, the, sorry. I, I mean, yeah, they, they spent time outside the locker room. Oh, sorry. Inside of a hotel room. Yeah, sorry. Um so yeah, they they know what the protocols are right now. They are veterans of the league. I mean, they should be setting an example for the club. Um, I I respect that the league got involved so quickly and issued the fines. Um, I think the ten thousand dollars is is enough to send a message. Uh, and that's in this case, I think that's really all you need to do is, is, especially when you have a name like Alex Ovechkin on this, saying that we don't care who you are. If you break protocol, we are going to find you. Um, and actually, uh, Ovechkin did have a statement after saying, I regret my choice to uh, spend time together with my teammates in our hotel room and away from the locker room areas. I will learn from this experience. So, I mean... There's that. <laughs> he signed his. He, he's basically acknowledging he screwed up. So yeah. Um, but it, it is it is nice to see that the league is being proactive and trying to uh, protect players as best they can. I wonder what the fine would have been if they left the hotel. Oh, I yeah. Because. It, being in a in the same hotel room, while dangerous, it's not the worst possible thing they could have done. Like I'm going to echo what everyone else said. Everyone, it, the it's really good that everyone made or that the NHL made a very uh, heavy-handed decision. Well, not really heavy-handed, a very um, impactful decision with uh, their choice to find the uh, Washington Capitals. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, as we are uh, nearing the end of the podcast here, um, I for the second line episodes, I, I feel like I, I kind of need to pass the reins off as far as the, the weekly picks that we do at the end of each episode. I have asked Jacob to pick five games for this upcoming Saturday. Um, he did. He, he threw them in... Uh, he, emailed him out. I put him in the rundown. So we, we've seen these games, but Jacob, I'd like for you to take on, uh, this week's picks. Uh, I want you to track them. And, uh, anybody who's watching the games on Saturday, uh, January 23rd, you know, compare how you guys do make your picks. Let us know how you do compared to us, because obviously we're all over it with all these surprises we've seen this season. Jacob, what games do you have for us this week? So there's only five games we can play this week. On <laughs> One did get suspended, yes. Uh, because there was six, and now there's five. Which, uh. <laughs> But the first game we have is St. Louis at L.A. Lou? You, you want me? Yeah. Um, St. Louis at L.A. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take the Kings. Oh. Yep. Wow, why, 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 do you, why do you say that? Well, after that Colorado game um, um, on Thursday night, you know, they played well enough. Uh, Quick was, um, Jonathan Quick was good in net. Um, and I'm not convinced that St. Louis is up to speed just yet. So uh, Kings have to get the points when they can. Interesting. Okay, Richard. Uh, St. Louis. Okay, Avs are going to leave uh, L.A. with a pretty crippling blow tonight. So, uh, yeah, well, wow. Yep. So as much as I wish I could delay this decision until after that game, uh, I cannot. So I'm going to pick St. Louis just to be safe. But if the L.A. Kings do beat the Colorado Avalanche tonight, uh, surely uh, I believe they'll beat the St. Louis Blues. 
You know what? Hold on. I take that back. Um, I, I, I think I have my... I thought they were doing a, uh, a two-game stand against the Kings, but I believe uh, Colorado's playing the Ducks tonight. Oh. Are they? Yes. Okay. Yep, it is the Ducks, not the Kings. I, I misunderstood that they were staying in L.A., but they're playing a different team. Okay. So <laughs> Kings are not playing tonight. Fair enough. I'm still think, I'm thinking St. Louis then. So next Me too. next game, Montreal versus Vancouver. Richard. Oh, this is going to be a good game. Um, I'm I'm going to go Montreal, but man, it's going to be a good game. Oh yes, it will be, Lou. I, I, you know, I can't imagine uh, Vancouver doesn't bounce back from a 7-3 loss. Um, I think uh, Montreal gets their first regulation loss in this one, Vancouver. Whoa. That's uh, surprising. I, yeah, I, can, I, can I modify mine? I pick Montreal unless it goes to overtime. <laughs> I'm just going to say Montreal because I'm not keeping track of that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm also picking Montreal because Nick Suzuki. Oh, I love Nick Suzuki. It's like having our own Patrice Bergeron. So makes me very happy. Okay. And now yep. speaking of Patrice Bergeron, the Philadelphia Flyers versus Boston Bruins. Lou, who do you got? Um, I'm going to take the Bruins. Um, I think, well, first of all, Elaine Vigneault is the head coach of the Flyers, and I, I just don't think he's got the um, the legs for a, a full season. Um, so, Boston. Interesting. Richard? Uh, as much as it pains me to do it, I'm, I'm going to take Philadelphia. Um, they have really good luck against black and gold teams this year. Um, and in fact, I, I tweeted out after their first two games against Pittsburgh, um, I bet Philadelphia wishes they could play Pittsburgh 54 more times this season. Um, yeah, uh, Philadelphia is hot right now, so I'm, I'm going to ride the, the hot hand here. I'm going to choose, as a, is a surprise to none, the Philadelphia Flyers. I, I, I can't really believe that the Boston Bruins with the second worst offense in the league, well, about to well, yeah, second worst offense in the league, scoring 1.75 goals per game, is going to beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, there are four other teams who have a goal differential of zero right now. Ah, uh, no, there's only one. No, there, there's four others. They have a goal differential or, no, of goal, zero. Goals four per game. I mean, right. I'm just saying. Well, goal differential. I just I don't like Boston. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I just don't like Boston. Really? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Tampa Bay versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Richard. Oh, this one's hard not to take Tampa Bay. Um, so I'm I'm not going to. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Yeah, Lou. Same thing. I don't think. Um, I think, well, here's the, what we will find out from this game is whether or not the, the locker room is lost. I think it is Tampa Bay. Yeah, I just hope Columbus shows a fight, but I have to say Tampa Bay as well. It's just, there's, there's uh, with all the controversy going on in Columbus, I just, Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, even before that, I was going to take Tampa Bay, and then all that exploded, so. Yeah. It, yeah. Ottawa versus Winnipeg, Lou. Um, you know, Winnipeg has been sneaky uh, in their first few games here. Um, you think that they're not playing well, and what have they got, a 3-1 and one record? Yep. Yep. It, that's a surprising... Uh, outcome and at the same time I think Ottawa is underperforming um, did I not pick Ottawa to be in the, at least close to the top four 
Um, I thought that they would be the surprise team out of the Canadian division. So, uh, Winnipeg. Okay. Lou. Or not Lou, Richard. Yeah, don't, don't confuse me with him. <laughs> um, Ottawa. Okay. Because I, I like surprises. Yeah, I mean, just going off record, I would have to pick Winnipeg, but Ottawa's been very competitive. They haven't been dead, and they just they seem to be fighting every game, and that's very great to see. But the star talent from Winnipeg, I feel, is just too much for uh, for Ottawa to inevitably handle. But Ottawa is a team to watch. Uh, I am very excited for them. And that's all the picks. All right. So there you go. Those are the games. Uh, I'd say those are the five games we've picked for Saturday, January 23rd. But those are also all of the games that are going on on Saturday, January 23rd. Follow along. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PHN underscore podcast. Uh, let us know how you do and how you compete against, you know, the best predictors here in hockey or against us either way um this brings us to our parting thoughts uh thoughts about really life any anything you want this is an open mic for you uh we'll start with uh lou uh if you have a chance to get a covid19 vaccine please get it okay yes absolutely uh jacob um man i don't know why but every time i watch the oilers and i've watched every game this year i really i don't know why it's not because of him as a person but i just hate darnell nurse (laughs) (laughs) that's not where i thought you were going (laughs) yeah okay i just (laughs) that's okay (laughs) all right um my my parting thought um you you know i i i happened to glance at an article on uh, nhl.com about uh the viewership of the first games uh, of the nhl season uh apparently they are some of the highest they have been in fact it is record viewership in the United States and Canada, meaning people are kind of hungry for sports and we're really glad that hockey is back. It seems like that is a sentiment spread across the entire community. I know viewership has been helped by the fact that a lot of stadiums cannot have fans inside of them anymore, but it is good to know that people are watching the sport that we love so much, uh, you know, being able to, to help it continue to grow and uh, you know, do the best it can right now as we are all hoping to do. That does it for this episode of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Again, you can find us on Twitter, PHN underscore podcast. I am Richard Cote for Lou Lafredo and Jacob Doherty. I will see everybody else next week. <laughs>